0: I'm I'm here to share some insights that I gained from my own uh, vocational uh, story, if you will, the kind of the the story that that has brought me here to St. Paul of the Cross, uh, working in the Archdiocese of Chicago. As you know, I am a Benedictine uh, monk and priest. I've been living and working like a diocesan priest for uh, six years now, and that's the direction I'm headed in. But you might say my... uh, my vocational story goes back to uh, when I first went away to college. Now I came from a Catholic family. We were in an observant Catholic family. Um, I went to Catholic schools. I was a good student. I had uh, won some scholarship money and I was able to attend Northwestern University, which normally would have been out of the financial league for my family. And um, it was really kind of a step out of the out of the Catholic aquarium, if you if you will, want to think about it that way. and that, we're living in a pretty Catholic area, Catholic family, Catholic schools. All of a sudden, you know, I'm, I was interested in science, so, and I knew that there were jobs available for chemical engineers, the oil industry, and all that. This was the late '70s, so I had decided to look look into majoring in chemical engineering at Northwestern. Now, I didn't really know that much. I wasn't totally set on it, but I had no other idea about what I wanted to do with my life. And when I went to a place like Northwestern, much more cosmopolitan, uh, somewhat less Catholic than the Chicago area, uh, met a lot of people very different, very different backgrounds. My first roommate was, uh, he was only there for about one quarter, he came from, he was from New York State, he was Jewish, he was an art major. And we were very different, totally different background from me. We were talking, getting to know each other the first day or two. And he told me he was maybe going to be an art major. He was sort of the artistic type, I guess. The first guy my age who had a beard and mustache that I'd ever known. Um, I told him I was going to be a chemical engineering major, and he immediately asked me, "Oh, is that for your parents? You know, do your parents want you to do that so you can get a job?" And I was kind of surprised by that question uh, because no, it wasn't. In my mind, it wasn't for my parents; it was for me. You know, but but there was a a definite expectation in my family that I should. Get a, you know, find a marketable thing to major in. Well, you know, there's always a demand for engineers. I seem to be a fairly good student in sciences, so you know that kind of sent me in that direction. Well, anyway, uh, I did. I spent f- four years in there and uh, eventually earned my bachelor of science in engineering, chemical engineering. It was one of the most difficult things I've done in my life. I would say it was, I found it harder than most other things I've tried to do. But finally, by my, uh, by my senior year, it was looking pretty likely, yes, I'm going to graduate, and, and the job offers coming in, and so on. I also, having turned 21, started feeling a new interest in my faith. And there were a number of priests that were willing to take some time and, and talk to the young people there at the university, give them some spiritual direction. And I found, even as... Um, Even as I, you know, finishing up my degree and looking, looking towards getting my first job as an engineer, going on job interviews, at the same time I found a renewed interest in my Catholic faith. Because although I had always been a practicing Catholic, and I went to church on Sundays, it wasn't, it was a sort of a child's, a young person's faith. It wasn't, I'd say, it wasn't very deep. I was doing sort of what was expected of me. And then all of a sudden, as I moved into adulthood, I started looking at, at it in a, in a new way it started so all of a sudden it seemed more important to me and so uh, I did you know there were got a pretty good job at the time with, a, with my engineering degree and went to work as an engineer. I continued I was involved with a, a an association of a Catholic fairly well-known Catholic organization I'm not going to get into the particulars of it, but an organization that helps Catholics to uh, combine their faith and their work. the whole idea of vocation, you know, finding your vocation in life. And that's an important question. But I did discover that as I, you know, started working as a young engineer, that the engineering work I was doing did not seem nearly as interesting to me as my new, my growing interest in my Catholic faith. It seemed like the more I talked with a, uh, you know, either a priest, a spiritual director. I had a a man who was a a PhD engineer who was also a Catholic involved with a community center in Chicago. I would occasionally meet with him and talk over things. He kind of served as a mentor to me as as a young engineer. And I found that that my faith was really coming alive to me at, at that time. And this was a surprise, because in all those years of Catholic school, as a young person, I had never seriously thought about the priesthood. And it did occur to me, even when I was still in college, that I, I knew I had chosen engineering simply because there were jobs available in that. You know, it's was like, look, you got to get a job. you got to find something to do. You gotta make yourself valuable, you know, make yourself, if you make yourself valuable, if you have the right set of skills, you'll always be in demand, you know. That's part of the whole nature of earning a living, isn't it? But I also discovered that, you know, even the oil industry, like any other industry, has its ups and downs, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of other young people have been attracted into engineering by the the promise of good jobs, well-paying jobs, you know, And that's when I started to learn the difference between uh, doing something to make a living and doing a vocation, which is something that you really love doing. And there is a, there is a difference there. And so, when I finally reached the, uh, the point where I, I had, my interest was, I wanted to start looking at the priesthood. I was uh, about 22, almost 23 years old. And it came on so suddenly that some of the people that knew me were were kind of surprised, you know, kind of, all of a sudden I started talking about it. I had never really talked about it before. And, um, I did, I ended up going back to the the school where I had gone to high school, Marmion out in Aurora, and uh, joining the monastic community there. Now there's, there were a number of reasons for that. And, again, my my years as a priest and a monk, there was a series of uh, little obstacles to be overcome because there was sort of a compromise, an uneasy compromise all those years. And this is something about religious life that, you know, some religious orders do not have priests in them, some religious orders do, but the the jobs of, of a monk and a priest are not necessarily the same. In a religious community, there's a lot of other work to be done. If, they, if your community runs a school, there's a lot of school administration, teaching, coaching, all, you know, all the, the mechanics of running a school. That's a lot different than the sacramental work that a priest does. And although I, I always enjoyed my, my work as a priest, I visited many different churches in those years in the monastery, helped out at many different churches, always enjoyed that. My uh, experience of life working and living in the monastery was a much more mixed mixed bag. It had its ups and downs. And what I uh, gradually learned as, as the years went by was that it was the priesthood aspect of it that, that really gave me satisfaction. And that was really what sort of fulfilled me in the sense of, of a vocation. But it took a while to, uh, to work that out. And two different... Mon- life in two different monasteries and so I would say three sort of three little lessons that I've learned from from my own uh, life and my own vocational story is first of all the importance of a, a, a mentor you know, it could be a good teacher an inspiring teacher or a coach an older person a friend with experience in your line of work but that that was probably something that made a difference for me, having the, uh, sort of that individual attention from a, a a man who understood, you know, and could kind of guide people. Mentors are very important to people. Likewise, it is, um, if you've ever been in an organization where the people who are in authority don't really seem to care about you, you know, again, one of the other speakers mentioned it, that, that's one of the most negative feelings you can have of an organization where where the leadership says, okay, we have things set up this way, we want to keep everything exactly this way, and your job is to fit in as best you can. That's not a good, not a pleasant experience to work for an organization like that. Um, so that, that, that importance of a personal mentor or uh, somebody who inspired us, encouraged us along the way, is all important. The second um, point I would make is that whole question of uh, we do things, we do have a lot of different interests in life some of them are hobbies but then we have our our real vocation in life and that can change and we can have more than one vocation in different times of life but um, if God is calling you to a certain thing as your vocation you probably won't be satisfied treating it as a hobby and the other the other way around too that if if you're interested in something as a hobby uh, you probably won't be satisfied doing that as your life's, life's work. You know, there's a, there's a big difference between that, the thing that we have a passion for and the maybe half dozen or more things that we simply find interesting and enjoy doing once in a while. For example, I know there's a couple people here in the audience that I have played music, acoustic music with. You know, I play uh, five-string banjo. Um, that's a hobby. I would not want to do that for a full-time living. I would not want to try to do that. When I was, in my younger days, I was uh, in the early days of computers, you know, with my engineering background, I, I was interested in computer games many years ago when computer games were a new thing. And once as a hobby, I set out to write my own computer game, and I spent all my spare time for one month doing that. And at the end of that month, I had a... a Fairly, what I thought was a fairly decent game, and I also had the certain knowledge that I would not want to do that for a living. You know, the big difference between a hobby and a vocation, an avocation and a vocation. Big difference. That's my second lesson. And then the third lesson is that um, <clears throat> we're all aware of our own weaknesses. You know, I have, um, you know, I have weaknesses like all of us, but I'm not a perfect person by any means. My, and my, again, my, the the ups and downs of my vocational story kind of reflect that. But what I've learned is don't, don't, uh, don't let my knowledge of my own weaknesses keep me from trying to do new things because I've learned the most about my life when I stepped out of my comfort zone. You know, whether it was going to a, a secular school like Northwestern, um, spending 12 years out in Great Plains when I grew up in the Chicago area. You know, those, those kinds of things that stretch you They may be difficult there, and again, I've probably learned some of the best lessons in my life from the most difficult uh, parts of my life. For example, I learned that I have uh, some kind of a a physical condition, Um, it's not really, it doesn't rise to the level of of an illness or a syndrome or something, but let's just say that, um, of course, Insomnia is something that none of us, no one likes insomnia. Insomnia is bad for all of us, and I've been lucky that through most of my life I never had any trouble with it, but I did learn from a number of situations that if I do, if something does disturb my sleep for more than a few nights in a row, it becomes very serious very quickly for me. And even more so, this was uh, when my, I suffered a time of terrible insomnia, about nine years ago as a side effect of a medication I was taking, where actually I had to spend some time outside of the monastery for medical care. That was a life-changing experience, although it was probably the most dangerous time of my life. It also was what the big change as far as my decision to step out of monastic life and into full-time ministry, and it's a decision I've, I've never regretted in the nine years since. So that would be the third point, that you know, don't let your knowledge of your own weaknesses keep you from answering God's call or at least doing the things that you're passionate about. And that's it. Any questions? Would, would, you, say, would you say that God can still work through you in spite of your... Uh, weakness. Yes, not, not just in spite of our weaknesses, but just like St. Paul sometimes says that God can make use of our weaknesses to, um, God's power is shown sometimes in our weaknesses. You know, it's like I, the most important decisions I made in my life as a result of dealing with my own weaknesses, medical or whatever. I mean, yes. Well, thank you all. Thanks. Thank, you. thank you.